welcome to episode 67 of the Green Healthy Places podcast, in which we explore the themes of well-being and sustainability in real estate and hospitality. I'm your host, Matt Morley, and in this episode, I'm in my hometown of Barcelona, Spain, talking to Guy Morley, no relation. Guy is the co-founder of Upraising. It's an organic coffee brand powered by nootropics and adaptogens, and we'll get to what those terms mean very shortly. He previously built and sold the iced tea brand Kailani, and before that worked as a music and entertainment lawyer for many years in London, UK. Now, before I bring Guy into the conversation, let me establish some context here. The health and wellness industry, as I see it, has been witnessing a paradigm shift in recent years. More and more people are obviously becoming conscious of overall well-being, so a version of wellness that is both inside and out, mental and physical, mind, body, and spirit. As a consequence, the demand for hospitality concepts tailored to that shift to an almost quasi-biohacking approach is slowly becoming more mainstream. One such innovation in that sense is the emergence of a new breed of performance-oriented health bar. That's a unique wellness concept that focuses on offering a diverse range of health-promoting products and services. The objective here is very specific, to help clients prepare themselves for performance, assist them in maintaining performance whilst in action, and thirdly, to promote recovery post-activity, helping them to get back out there, ready to go one more time. So what we're not talking about is a longevity bar promising to help clients live to 150. So what does constitute what I'm calling a functional health bar? I think the future of health bars, in my opinion, lies in incorporating cutting edge ingredients and technologies combined with biophilic design and wellness interiors to create a holistic well-being experience that is literally maximized for its positive impact on overall health. That includes the use of adaptogenic mushrooms, nootropics, supplements, and nutritious beverages to support various aspects of health. And there you can see where Guy is coming into the conversation. Additionally, though, I think the adoption of sustainable and eco-friendly interior design practices, such as my own specialism in biophilic design and a sustainable, non-toxic materials policy in the fit-out of those spaces, really ensures that the aesthetic context is aligned with the concept itself, aligned with the brand of Health Bar in question. So really, I'm all about creating those experiences and via design-led interventions in the built environment. Today, I'm joined by a man who is really at the forefront of creating the type of functional beverage products that will, I believe, come to populate this new generation of wellness bar concepts. I'm betting that the future of F&B in premium boutique fitness studios, health clubs, and wellness-oriented members clubs is going in this direction. That's enough from me. So here I'm going to bring in Guy. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Guy. Thank you, Matt, and thank you for that introduction. So I wanted to start by getting a sense of what you identified as being the opportunity here when, you, when you're launching Upraising. In a sense, I've, I've tried to set the scene there, but what attracted you to the functional coffee market in particular? How long has that been a thing? And did you see it as getting in early enough on a new trend or almost trying to establish a new market in a new territory? Or where did you see your arrival in the sector on that timeline? So I think the, uh, 
think, as you said in your introduction, nootropics, adaptogens, functional mushrooms are sort of coming, having their moment. They're about or about to have their moment. So that's a huge growth area. I think the idea of mixing them with coffee comes originally from the US, where there's been a company, a Finnish company, actually, for there for about 10 years. And they've grown sort of rapidly over 10 years. In, in Europe, there was nothing similar. So the idea sort of behind Upraising was to have a, have a look at what they were doing in the US and do a more European and more suited uh, version here. So we've taken sort of European specialty style uh, functional, uh, sorry, coffee, organic uh, fair trade coffee. And then we've mixed it with uh, functional mushrooms, adaptogens. Uh, and that, that, that's been our sort of, I think the, it's probably exactly the right timing that we've we've launched, I think. What do you you think is behind this trend? I'm almost reluctant to use that word, but clearly it is having a moment, as you say. Like this is now, it is a new hot topic. We're seeing the products coming onto the market. From my perspective, I'm seeing the F&B concepts adapted to this type of project product coming onto the market. Like this is the tip of, it's the start of a wave. And why do you think it's happening now? I think it's part of a much... Uh, larger movement, I suppose, to, of f- food as medicine. So people realizing that what they're eating and what they're doing is really impacting their health hugely. And it's preventative medicine. And there's perhaps a, a growing, I wouldn't say dis- disillusionment, but a growing awareness that interventive me- medicine, um, taking pills, surgery, etc., is, be- is best avoided rather than, and, and doesn't really, is a, is a, is a uh, band-aid rather than, uh, a solution to your health so people are now becoming more aware of trying to avoid illnesses completely and using food therefore as their medicine this is a way of enhancing something that people drink i mean the vast majority of the population globally drink and has its own health benefits as well and, and making that even more beneficial to their both mental and physical health it's interesting i'm reading a book at the moment by um dr peter atia he's just published uh, something called outlive uh, that's all about what he terms to be medicine 3.0. So whereas medicine 2.0 was really sort of preventive, uh, this is this is about looking into the future and trying to do everything possible now to help you, um, yeah, live a long and, and healthy life. I think there is a shift in in perception coming. So perhaps we need to dig a little deeper into some of these this this terminology then. And some of the ingredients, I guess. So we've used those two words, adaptogens and nootropics. So let's start with them. What are their health benefits? What are they? And have you dug into the research behind them as you were building out the brand of Upraising? Yeah, so nootropics then are basically ingredients that help or boost and prove cognitive function. And they can be, they don't have to be natural. So for example, Adderall, which people take for ADHD, is a nootropic. Caffeine is one of the, the most commonly used uh, uh nootropics which obviously is found in nature as well and and that because that boosts concentration so then we use we use only natural nootropics so things like lion's mane mushroom which is a functional mushroom so a functional mushroom to use another terminology is this everyone knows the psychedelic mushrooms with psilocybin these are probably the level below that with no psilocybin but have very strong properties that are beneficial to humans either uh physically or mentally or both. And lion's mane, an example of that, is very good for focus. Uh, the other the other, other terminology that's thrown around a lot is adaptogens. 
And these are natural ingredients that are good and helpful for the body to relieve or adapt to stress. So that could be mental or physical stress. So reishi, a functional mushroom, for example, is a good example of an adaptogen that helps uh, balance cortisol levels, which is also one of the reasons we mix it with coffee, because coffee, when some people, when they get the jitters, it's because their cortisol levels are rising. So reishi, mixing reishi with the coffee will balance that out. And that's what sort of our feedback has been, is that people have been having this jitter-free, crash-free coffee. So there you get into some combination of both physical and mental. And in terms of then, the parallel is interesting with, with wellness interiors and biophilic design, because so what are the benefits of, of doing a, designing a space in that, in that way? And often we're looking at sense of what's often termed vitality or a connection with nature, so sort of a mood-enhancing, feeling better about yourself and the world around you to some extent, feeling less stressed, less anxious, and just just a little bit sharper. Like your, your concentration's back, you feel restored, mental fatigue is alleviated. So at least in terms of, well, what are these spaces doing? Those are the kind of buzzwords that I'm playing with. When you came to sort of review all of those potential or purported benefits around nootropics and adaptogens, how did you then start to sort of slice them up into a product range so that one is perhaps offering something for cognitive or one's more about physical. How did you go about creating a proposition for each one of the products that you have at the moment, which I believe is three and possibly there might be, I guess, more coming in the pipeline. So how do you see that piece around like the product proposition within that wider umbrella of, of functional coffee? So we started originally with what we're mixing with coffee. And that has obviously various health benefits. I mean, we use organic fair trade coffee, as I mentioned. So we, we use one with, with limited pesticides. The coffee is a good example of something that has multi-benefits. As, as we mentioned, it's good for concentration. It also, some people find it as a mood booster. It's, it, it, people, some people can claim it increases the metal, metabolism and helps weight loss. It can also increase physical performance. It's also super high in antioxidants. It's also, we've just been speaking to a gut health expert in Norway who's, who's a real advocate of coffee and says you have to drink 450 to 1.1 uh, litres, 450 mil to 1.1 litres of coffee a day to get the proper the amount of polyphenols to have, to boost your gut health. So we started with, and, and then started with that and then we, we wanted to improve it even further and we're thinking, well, when do people drink coffee? It's not something we're going to be putting in to help them uh, get to sleep at night, although we can come into how actually one of our coffees uh, people have been sending in their sleep trackers and and showing how much it has improved their sleep. But so then we, we, when people drink coffee in the morning, they might be going about their day. They want to focus better. They want to be more productive. So we've got one coffee for that called Flow State. Uh, there's another when where people might want a mood boost. They or they might the coffee is often a very social uh, phenomenon that people go out to cafes. People have people around at their houses for coffee. So we've got one, and that's actually the one uh, that seems to be helping sleep as well, called Bright Mood. And then we've got one that we're probably rejigging, actually, at the moment, is Live Well. And that was, the idea is a sort of immune-boosting, energy-boosting uh, product, and it, which, again, people use coffee for. But we're going to tweak it slightly with some of the ingredients is and make it much more into vitality and natural energy and stamina, resilience, 
so much more for people who, who are taking a coffee to go and do a long before a long cycle ride a marathon a surf session things like that it would be very good for their body again all the, all these ingredients are super good for the immune system anyway so i think there's there clearly one case for this type of functional health bar being present in really any kind of physical performance center, be that a tennis club, uh, a fitness studio, where I think particularly around sports, I think you could argue that perhaps, you know, a class of yoga might require less in terms of the mental game, although I think there's a lot around concentration and focus there. So, you know, you could actually argue it both ways, but I think there is something around sports performance and competitive games such as say a tennis club you can imagine that being an easy win but then i in the process of doing a bit of research into these kind of brain cafes uh you know in the us they're quite becoming increasingly common in co-working spaces as well where clearly it's more than about mental focus and cognitive performance so as you've been building out the brand how have you gone about the sales strategy in that who's buying this beyond direct to consumer sales when you're thinking about the network of of resellers or distributors whatever um setup you have are you seeing obvious markers in terms of oh it's all been co-working brands or it's all been uh health food stores like who's picking up on this like where is it currently being sold and why do you think it's going big there uh i would say there hasn't been a, a very limited, it's been a very wide audience actually in terms of our business customers. I mean, we've sold in places from brunch. We noticed, and between these, we noticed which of the three sells better. So for example, in brunch places, which is obviously a social setting, the Bright Mood one sells better. Uh, we, we sell in a yoga studio, the Live Well one does well. We sell in, in, in uh, a sort of de- deli where you would go and buy your, your nice cheeses and chocolates where they all sell pretty well. So the, the, it's, I wouldn't say we've been limited in where we can sell them. It's more which one sells better in which type of place. Something we do need to work on, and as I said, we only launched six months ago, is that we're it's ground coffee we use because obviously the mixing process with the other ingredients is is more complex if it's whole bean. But we think we, we're working on that and we think we figured out a way to do that, which will then open up more business places and more gyms that have their espresso machines, et cetera. I like it. Let, let's let's stick with that connection then between the product, the proposition of each product, and then the type of venue that ends up selling it. So if we think about other ingredients and, and link to that, obviously the functional benefits that you could imagine upraising doing in future product lines, I, I just wonder if that could perhaps give us clues about where else we might see the functional health bar concept emerging. So when you look at you know, you've you've launched. You've got your first three products on the market. What could a sort of a version two point zero in the next six months or a year look like? And where else could you go with the the actual functional health ingredients and the benefits? In terms of selling to business customers, other businesses. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think what in terms of a next product, we'll be doing one without caffeine. Is that effectively what people have asked for? But I think in terms of the business customers, especially, we do need to move to whole bean just because you've got the coffee dilemma. That's how uh, commercial places buy their coffee. That's the machines they've got uh, in stock. 
So I think uh, we'll be uh, doing that. And then then once we've worked, figured out sort of the technology to create whole beans, it's fairly um, easy to then for us do it because we've got all the ingredients to adjust and, and make certain uh, adjustments to the, the nootropics and adaptogens we use so that we can then tailor for specific places. For example, for example, a gym may want more of an energy one. A yoga studio, as you mentioned, may want more of a calming one. So we then could do different uh, packs. And I think that's probably where the future for functional bars and fitness is. It's going to be more, more and more tailored. I think at the moment it's still in its infancy. So any any anything is considered good and i think they are good any of these ingredients but i think it will get more and more narrow for what you want to do which can only be a good thing it can be much more, and as well as you know customized nutrition customized blood tests everything's becoming much more tailored towards you and i think that's exactly what the functional bar future would look like and then adjacent sectors that you might have your eye on whether for the upraising brand to go into yourself or or that are just you know near neighbors in terms of offering functional health benefits. You mentioned gut health. We haven't mentioned protein, but I imagine that, that could be something you know, one fathoms as being a, a positive addition in terms of ingredients to help with recovery. You see brands like Endorf in the US doing functional mushrooms with an endurance, trail running, marathon spin on things, probiotics from brands like the Nuco, where again, it's about powders and drinks that have some immediate functional benefit on, on your health. What else do you see going on around you and where could it go from here? Yeah, well, I mean, all of those things you mentioned are, are possible. There are some sort of limiting factors for us. For example, probiotics. We have to, to use probiotics that are resistant to heat if we're going to put them in a hot drink. Um, huh. The end. We also want to be very... This is an industry with perhaps a lot of less credible uh, products, if we can say it diplomatically, where there's a lot of um, Instagram-based, slightly scammy products. And we want to be very uh, focused on, on the, what we do is actually effective and it's the best quality ingredients that we can use. So we're speaking to, as I mentioned, the gut health specialist is also another specialist here in Spain how we can create the best um, products. We're also tied, as you mentioned, for example, things like protein, like cordyceps mushroom. It's a really good mushroom for the cardiorespiratory system, but it's actually, uh, there's two types, but um, one is, imp is impossible to farm and the other one you can farm, uh, but uh, the, the one you can't farm, the price is more than in its weight than gold. So the, the other one which people use in for the US and UK the EU is behind actually on this and it's not actually been approved for use, which is one of the issues in a growing sort of inf area in its infancy. But that, I mean, that's that's an ingredient we would love to use as well. But we're also, unlike other brands, not tied to mushrooms. So we can use other nootropics and adaptogens. For L-theanine is a good one that um, it helps cognition that we take from green tea. And then we mix in with the caffeine to replicate the sort of the caffeine, the more balanced caffeine high that you get from green tea. So in terms of other products, I think, I mean, probably in the for the first year now, because we'd stick with hot drinks. But then I think th things like protein powders, chocolates could be whichever is a, whatever our goal is to get people these benefits in as the most accessible way for them. So I think that's what we'd look at is how to keep these effective and accessible. Because there is clearly, although we're talking about being present 
on the current wave of functional drinks, it's almost as if one can see the next wave coming on the horizon, right? Then the next set is already swelling up. And I think that could be around concepts that perhaps for now feel quite out there or you know, on the verge of acceptability in terms of both societal perception and legality. But, you know, microdosing, you're seeing brands like Earth Resonance now seemingly selling 30-day packs of, of microdose uh, psilocybin mushrooms uh, via, via websites out of, out of the Netherlands. You've got a lot of talk around longevity, which I think, again, is susceptible to hype and a lot of woo-woo. And so much of it is difficult to pin down in that particular market, as I see it, because to do randomized controlled trials on longevity factors, you need uh, you need a lot of a lot of time, and it's just hard for the for the brands to get that type of of data. I think it's it's crucial the idea of coming at this from a data led perspective and trying to be as honest and transparent as possible in terms of how you've you've gone about that around say marketing and communication, how do you try to, first of all, establish in the minds of customers what the heck all of this is about and that it's it's legal, it's natural, there's no chemicals involved, it's, it's a, a natural high, essentially. But then beyond that, how it's also, yeah, those, those individual benefits, how do you try to create that, that brand image of, of authenticity and honesty? Is it, is it something you've had to actively focus on or is it more just yeah consistent communication around the theme are there research studies that you're able to cite yeah i mean in terms of how we created the products we've always had that at our forefront so we have used the, the best quality products and we're very open about uh where we get our coffee from where we get our mushrooms from that are from scandinavia rather than china where they can have issues with contamination and high and heavy metals and also things like labor laws in Scandinavia are much higher. So you might be buying an organic mushroom or what you think is an organic mushroom in China. But if it's been produced in a farm where people are working 18 hours a day in, in harsh conditions, you're not particularly helping the world improve. So we've been very careful about the, 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 the products we've used in terms of um, communicating what they are and what they do. It's that's sort of part of the privilege and responsibility of being a sort of first mover in a space like this. And that's what we use our Instagram for is, is a lot of informational content, which people have highly valued. And we explain, for example, what are nootropics, what are adaptogens, what does this ingredient do? And then we are now, there, we, when we did the research and formulated the products, we obviously had a huge in-depth review of all the studies. And that's where we're going, once people's aware, you probably don't want to from marketing and just from a, human perspective you don't overload people with studies right at the beginning i think as that um they go on we will we'll be focusing more and more and giving more and more information about the studies that are done for example l-theanine with coffee there's a study that, sh that shows that it prolongs con concentration and avoids dips so it's all our claims and stuff are backed up by studies but it's also a hugely growing area i mean just this morning i was reading an article about taurine which was is i thought it was found in you know probably yeah, exactly. More Denmark or and more Denmark market energy drinks, and it's not to have a very good name. But then this morning, 
there's uh, there's articles in my studies in mice saying how it's very good for longevity in humans and anti-aging and can and slow the aging process. So it's a huge, it's a constantly changing atmosphere, and we're just keeping it, making sure we keep up to date, and we make sure that we communicate as much of uh, of that information as we can in a reasonable way to our consumers. And when you look down the pipeline, say you know, five years into the future, around this niche of functional performance drinks, and to some extent the type of hospitality concept that that they're best suited to. How do you see this sector evolving? It's it's clearly a dynamic space to be in. Like, where do you see it going? Like, how far can this thing go? I think it can go very far, and I, but I think there will be certain levels. I think there's going to be, and there already are, say, more mainstream companies that are, are doing it. They're putting a bit, and and that is a danger for for a new category. They get terms get overused. Functional, everything, everything's functional. Uh, and that's what I think already happening. But I think the, the the sort of places that you're talking about, the the functional bars, etc., will get more and more specialists, and the people who know about this will will know exactly what they're doing because it does make a huge difference the origin, the quality of the product. You know, if you're just taking and the, and the synthetic the synthetic versions of lots of these ingredients, if you're not taking the best and you're taking it for a, for a, for a result, then you're unlikely to to be boosting your chances of getting that result when you're taking a, an inferior product. And that's that's part of the danger, I think. But I think there will be the, the way of the future. There'll be different levels. There'll be some, and 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 a lot of these ingredients are expensive. So there's going to be the sort of elite, but with much more but better quality products at a much higher price. And then there'll be the more mainstream things, which is not necessarily bad as long as they are good quality and thoughtfully prepared. These functional drinks you don't want people because that gives the whole category a bad name. People just randomly mixing stuff together of low quality and and giving it to to customers. And I would say that, which we will also say as a word of warning to anyone, is people react differently to all this stuff. So I think the best way is to is to test test things and, and work out what works for you the best. And especially as the functional bars going to a more customized drinks, that's probably the you know some people might not agree with Lion's Mane, but they might like Chaga. It might you know so that's way the way custom. I think the functional bars will go in the future. The interesting thing about those testing new things out is certainly from my experience having tested a whole bunch of things over the last five years or so is that often the first hit can be can be the most uh, productive you know and often over time the the impact can slowly wane as your body gets accustomed to it but I think there's a potential for um, having really quite a, a powerful impact on how people feel uh, especially when they're able to try something new for the first time because the body just sort of wakes up and says, oh wow that, what was that that I've just taken on you get Sometimes it's never quite like that first time, um, but other times, obviously, there's no immediate response. It just hasn't particularly worked for you, right? That's uh, it's a curious a- aspect of this whole functional drink space. Exactly, and it depends on the function. If the function is, for example, to boost your immune system, it's, it's quite. If you're, you've got to be taking that for a certain amount of time, and you've got to notice that you, hopefully, over months, you're going to notice you're getting ill less often, or if you do get ill, your symptoms are less. But it's not something you're going to notice as soon as you've had a cup of coffee. But that's also where the science-backed research studies comes in, so that they're not just claims to help your immune system over the, the next few months, but there's, there's real substance behind it. I think it's great. It's a really fascinating space to be in. So if people want to learn more, follow along, where are you most active online and social media? Uh, we're probably most active on our own website, upraising.co, and our Instagram is upraising.co as well, where we, we, we post all this 
information that we've been talking about. Very cool. Guy, thanks so much for your time. It's been great. Thank you.